everyone, I'm Sharon Reed. This is Indisputable with Dr. Rashad Ritchie. The good doctor popped in yesterday, did the show. He's off, he's earned the right to be. But we have a big show for you today, Ravana, Rebel HQ contributors here. Always fun, always lots of insight. So the headphones alone say we're in for a treat. <laughs> we appreciate you joining the show, but let's get right to it. When Dr. Ritchie was here yesterday, the show ended with a bombshell breaking news. Kanye West at it again. Let's remind you about his his interview um, and his outfit, I guess you could say. But what he said was more explosive yesterday, uh, sitting alongside Alex Jones. I'd say there's a lot of things that I love about Hitler. A lot of things. Hey, uh, Netan, what did you think about that, Netan? This is insane. You are an insane person. How could you say something? It's okay that. So let me ask you, you like the Azog Battalion because they openly howl Hitler. They're the leftovers of World War II. They support Zelensky and attacking Russia. So you like the Azog Battalion. I love everyone. Okay, he loves everyone, including Hitler. Even Alex Jones, um, who deals in, in untruths and hurting people, was taken aback and wanted to distance himself. He tried to help Kanye here, um, but it didn't do much good. And then things, well, and I don't even know what he's talking to. Um, Ray, maybe you know and weigh in, and then we'll tell you what else he did for the rest of the evening. Oh, the um, the net he's holding. He made a he did some prop comedy earlier where he pulled out a net and pulled out a Yahoo drink and said, "This is Prime Minister Benjamin Net in Yahoo," and uh, then it confessed a couple minutes later that he only just learned who Netanyahu was two weeks earlier, and all of his knowledge about him is that he thinks his name is funny. Um, okay. What I will say, it's pretty it's pretty tough to go on Alex Jones' show and somehow not be the uh, the most bigoted person in the room. But he did interview. it. Yeah, did he, he do that now? He did it. <laughs> uh, Tanya went on to say, I love everyone and Jewish people are not going to tell me you can love us. And you know what we're doing to you with the contracts, what we're pushing with the pornography. But this guy that invented highways, invented the very microphone I use as a musician. You can't say out loud this person ever did anything good and I'm done with that. I'm done with the classifications. Every human being has something of value that they brought to the table, especially ugh, Hitler. Uh, Kanye West posted this shortly after his interview with Alex Jones. Apparently, this was too far for Elon Musk, who took down Kanye's tweet, suspended his account, and shared this. Sorry, but you've gone too far. This is not love, Elon wrote. He confirmed the suspension in a follow-up tweet. <sighs> wow, I tried my best despite that. He again violated our rule against incitement to violence. Account will be suspended. And there you have it, okay? House Republicans responded as well by quietly taking down a tweet. You mean it's still up? <laughs> They took down a tweet praising Kanye. MSNBC's Hayes Brown noted that the original tweet had been up for 55 days, about as long as Kanye's been on his anti-Semitic rant. It only took them 55 days, 17 hours, and roughly 25 minutes to delete this. Kanye's recent anti-Semitic ramblings have also affected his business dealings, no longer a billionaire. It was announced on Thursday that West will no longer be purchasing the conservative app Parler. And there you see it, Kanye West will no longer be acquiring Parler. 
the alternative social media platform favored by conservatives, including some far right extremists. The company announced on Thursday in a statement, Parler's parent, Parliament Technology said, quote, it is mutually agreed with Ye to terminate the intent of sale of Parler. The decision was made in the interest of both parties in mid-November. Parler will continue to pursue future opportunities for growth and the evolution of the platform for our vibrant community. In recent weeks, Ye has seen a number of lucrative business deals evaporate over his anti-Semitic remarks. In October, sportswear maker Adidas said it has ended its partnership with Ye. Other partnerships, including The Gap and Balenciaga, have also ended. And earlier this week, well, Kanye claimed on a right-wing podcast that the IRS has frozen several of his accounts over an unpaid tax bill worth 50 million. Rather than apologize for his remarks, Kanye spent his last moments on Twitter accusing basketball player. You know, I know Chris Paul wishes that he would have been suspended right before this, but it was not to be, okay? <laughs> what did Kanye post about Chris Paul? He accused him of having an affair with his former wife, Kim Kardashian. Let's break one last window before we get out of here. I caught this guy with Kim. Good night. Neither Paul or the former Kim Kardashian West have responded to this claim of adultery, right? <laughs> and I, I, I was conflicted. You know, do we report this about Chris Paul, who's minding his business and now probably has to answer some questions in his own household? He's pretty squeaky clean, you know. All he did was do the State Farm commercials and, and win. And now you have Kanye blowing him up as the last. He's infamous now. The last, the last tweet before another suspension didn't last long. Yeah, I mean, Chris Paul's got to be out here feeling feeling really bad about catching these strays. He's like, how did I get brought into this? What's this got to do with me? And of course, we don't know if it's true. Kanye's you know been pretty erratic lately, so it it could just be a a lie or some suspicion that he had that was not. You know, true, but either way, it's definitely put Chris Paul in a tough situation. I will say, I've seen a lot of right wingers talking about, oh, how, you know, people who previously supported Kanye up until now, they really supported him when he was saying anti black things. Mm -hmm. Now that he's praised Hitler, it's the logical conclusion of the right wing rhetoric that they've been espousing. Now he's gone too far and they have to distance themselves from him. But they're sitting here, you know, with their mouths wide open, shocked as though they aren't the people who have been preaching this ideology that all ultimately concludes with yes, praising Nazis and supporting the things that the Nazis did. I mean, it's Tucker Carlson saying the 14 words on his show every every night to <laughs> millions and millions of viewers. You know, it's Ben Shapiro at the Daily Wire who was just a week ago saying that or two weeks ago saying that Kanye is the only sane person in public life. I mean, you people built up his well. profile. Yeah, they built up his profile based on bigotry. And now that he's said the quiet part out loud, now they have to pretend that they wouldn't support him otherwise. It's ridiculous. Yeah, and it's almost like Kanye was saying, you know what? Um, you're not getting it, despite everything that I've blown up so far, and everyone and every Jewish person I seemingly have been going after. So I gotta just be, let me just be plain and real with it, okay? He's said it. I love Hitler. Now, is there if there's one more apologist, okay? <laughs> Who's not an anti-Semite? I don't know what else to tell you. The guy told you who he is. Okay, believe him. Maybe just believe him. 
Yeah, and of of course, there's still people who are saying, you know, he's it's because he has a mental illness. And I'll mm. say, I I'm disabled. I work with disabled people. I represent them in civil rights cases. I work with a lot of people with bipolar disorder. I have a lot of people in my family with bipolar disorder. It doesn't make you a bigot. It might make you behave erratically and make bad decisions, particularly financially, but it doesn't make you become a bigot. It doesn't make you, you know, hate Jewish people. It doesn't make you say things like black people were slaves because they chose to be, right? Those are things that you had inside of you before you ever developed any sort of mental illness, any sort of disability. And you're just saying them much more publicly now. It's not, we need to stop infantilizing him. He's a grown man, he holds these bigoted opinions and he's chosen to say them very publicly and he deserves all the backlash he's gonna get. Yeah, it's quite manipulative, it really is. And it makes you wonder, and just to be clear, so he, it, the bipolar disorder is not making him accuse his wife of being unfaithful with Chris Paul either. I, can I confirm that with you? I mean, I don't know. It could make him a little more suspicious, but I'm gonna, oh. I'm gonna say that I probably not. It just okay. seems like he has some bitterness towards his ex-wife now. Yeah, he did post the the picture of Elon Musk though with Ari Emanuel. Um, Elon Musk had he gained a few pounds, and Elon Musk uh, posted right back and said, "Fine, this actually helped me lose weight. This picture, so thank you. You are suspended, okay?" And Elon Musk has his own issues, anti-Semitism, and all of this does not seem to be among them. Even he said, you've gone too far, you're done, and we're done here. And it makes me wonder, and we can move on to the next story after this, right? But what can we do here? And here's what I mean by that. I don't know how to not cover these explosive headlines and call attention to this bigotry, which is outrageous, like three words. Should we just turn our backs and ignore him, or do we have to keep unpacking this? I think it's important to have a continued dialogue and conversation, especially at a time where anti-Semitism is on the rise. And I think you hit the nail on the head that Elon Musk didn't ban him over anti-Semitism. And today he unbanned the editor for the white nationalist online paper, The Daily Stormer, who is currently got an arrest warrant for the FBI, who has been paid, forced to pay millions of dollars in fees for for violating people's rights. I mean, he doesn't care about anti-Semitism, which is why he unbanned Kanye in the first place. So I think it's it's important to continue to talk about you know why Kanye is wrong, but also to highlight you know how these social media platforms are utilized to spread anti-Semitism and how people like Elon Musk who own them don't care to suppress it. And it's not just him. I mean, even Facebook, we see a rise in bigotry and and it's promoted through the algorithm. So, you know, it's important to keep talking about it and keep highlighting it and to educate people when these huge celebrities are putting out such such hateful bigotry to such a large audience. Yeah. You do wonder though, how much is too much? Um, if you are co-anchors and you're sleeping together, I wonder if you turn and as soon as you wake up, do you turn to each other and say good morning America? Or do you just wait till you get to work? TJ Holmes, Amy Robach, what on earth? Okay, I've ne- I don't watch that show GMA3, but I watched it yesterday. Okay, and I recorded it and I went back over it. They are together and there's all kind of things that are being leaked. Good Morning America has found itself in well, the middle of a very messy scandal. I happen to think the show and the people behind it and Kim Godwin, the head of the network might like this because it's ratings gold. As two of the anchors reportedly engaged in a months long affair 
depending on which inside source you believe. DMA3 host TJ Holmes, Amy Robach either cheated on their respective spouses for months, or they just happened to start dating. I can barely say it without chuckling after they were already separated. In response to the fervor on social media, both have deactivated their Instagram accounts. According to page six, their source claims that the pair started seeing each other in March. They're still married, they're still living with their spouses, okay? While they were training for the New York City Marathon, they both left their spouses in August. Again, if you believe the inside sources connected to Robach and Holmes, that was a coincidence. Meantime, People is reporting the duo had already ended their marriages when the romantic relationship started. This was two consenting adults who were each separated. They both broke up with their spouses in August within weeks of each other. The insider said the relationship didn't start until after that. Ray, please weigh in now and then I'll finish the rest of this. <laughs> I'm just wondering how many seasons of GMA3 I have to watch to get caught up with this, yeah. <laughs> with, with this teenage scandal. I mean, yeah, I think we can all say safely that it probably wasn't just a, they ended their marriages and and wouldn't you know it, they looked over and realized they were in love the whole time. Um, but it is interesting to see so many people, like I've never seen the show before. You said you'd never seen it, mm -hmm. but this became such a massive scandal. It really does seem like it very easily could have been boosted by the producers at GMA3 to create this sort of interest in the wow. show. And, and it worked because people were wow. watching it. I watched yesterday too. People were okay, people are I tuned in. <laughs> I had not thought of that, and I'm like the queen of messiness. <laughs> I think you might be onto something. Of course, we have no proof. We can't confirm that, but that that could be a likely story. And if you watched yesterday, and I know we don't have footage of this, they had this cooking segment as TJ and Amy tried to like kind of stand a little bit away from each other. And the woman's hair was just glorious. It was so high to the heavens. I thought maybe paparazzi was hiding inside of that. I mean, it was crazy. <laughs> so it could be an inside job. Um, there is more, the story took on a life of his own, of course. And everybody was commenting on it uh, all over the internet after the Daily Mail published the pictures of the pair looking very much like a couple hanging out together in early November. They were seen getting Cozy up close and personal in a bar while in another photo, Holmes appears to grab Robox butt as he reaches into the trunk of a car. And like I said, the internet went crazy. I don't comment on people's appearances, but you know, one hand covered both cheeks. You want to see a butt, TJ? I got a butt for you. <laughs> you know, she's in great shape, Amy Robox. Before it was deactivated, though, users uncovered a post by Holmes that may well, have foreshadowed his allegations, the indiscretions rather against him. There it is. The wife is beautiful. Of course, none of that matters when we're talking about infidelity, allegedly. But boy, folks were really commenting on appearances and choices. Meantime, Twitter users have reminded folks of past scandal involving Amy Robach. Back in 2016, while discussing Zendaya's role in an upcoming Spider-Man movie, Robach said, quote, we all know Hollywood has received recent and quite a bit of criticism for casting white actors and what one might assume should be a role reserved for colored people. Robach would apologize shortly thereafter. What do you make of this? First, I guess, Ray, the fascination. We're all fascinated by these two people sharing a bed and waking up together on television. Why are we so fascinated with this? <laughs> Um, first, I want to say 
she said colored people. She did. What, yeah, what she decade did. is it? Oh my <laughs> God. But you know, I think that people just really enjoy a gossipy story and it feels good when it's not directly tangential to your life because it's not as messy. So if you had a friend, a married friend or two pairs of married couples and, and the man from one couple and woman from another start to have an affair, that has a direct impact on your life now and it makes your friend group messy. But when it's happening on TV, you get the excitement and you know the gossipy angle from it, but you don't have it implicate your relationships in your life, which I think People enjoy, people enjoy a good mess, when especially when it's not directly affecting them. I'll also say I saw a video of the two of them before they ran the marathon. And he's leaning back on the couch real mm-hmm. comfy and she's sitting yeah. next to him. And they're talking about the marathon and she says, I don't know if we'll be winners, but we're definitely both finishers. And he oh. looks at her and then oh. buries his face to start laughing. Oh. And I was like, they were definitely already together. Don't do that, yeah, don't, don't do that, okay. <laughs> Um, there are other reports that you know Amy Robach uh, tried to dispel rumors, even with her higher ups at ABC, and said, "Listen, we're just friends, best friends, but we're just friends." <laughs> you know how it is these these workplace romances. Um, late late this afternoon, Page Six uh, reporting that T.J. Holmes's, I guess, soon to be ex-wife, you never know, was uh, blindsided by this. So these inside sources are now competing. All sides are kind of weighing in. You know, I wish they'd just say, look, Amy called and disguised her voice and said, you know, this or that, because you can tell which camp is saying what. Um, she's a lawyer. And then the other speculation, who sick this um, either private investigator and sold the footage or the paparazzi? Who who did that? You really think it could be ABC? I think it's a possibility. It also always could be an aggrieved spouse who, you know, maybe mm-hmm. hired a private investigator, found out, and then, you know, now they're mad. They want to make it a public yeah. story. But at the end of the day, I think it's only boosted their profile. So, if it was that was the case, then it's had the opposite effect. If it was ABC, then good work. <laughs> yeah. Hey, there it is. Because I don't know that that many people were watching before, but now they are. Even you and I. Yeah. Much more to come. Um, maybe the Karens can top this scandal with TJ and Amy. Um, they're up next. This is Indisputable with Dr. Rashad Ritchie. I'm Sharon Reed. Uh, in for him today. We'll be right back. Welcome back. I'm Sharon Reed in for Dr. Ritchie. This is Indisputable. You ever watch that show, Extreme Couponing? I I used to really get into that show. Um, the coupons, they're, they're very, very important to these people, um, some more than others. And that, that brings us to today's I wish a Karen would. You want to call the police on them for having a barbecue on a and Sunday? You're going to feel right back off! I'm going to tell them there's an African American man threatening my life. I'm 
Why so angry? Her coupon um, had expired, the store, the employees would not accept it. Um, and then Karen Ravana went into a full on, it almost was like, you know, the, uh, the weigh in, Floyd Mayweather. And an opponent, and then someone holds them back, but it can get really get violent. Perhaps mm-hmm. that's a better analogy. This was uh, epic. Yeah, she was definitely aggrieved. I'll say on Black Friday, I went to Ross, took my little cousin there because oh, no. she wanted a new outfit, <laughs> and um, she, I saw someone in front of me trying to to haggle with the checkout lady. Uh-huh. Like I was like, "Ma'am, this is a, a store. They yeah. scan the price, and you pay the price." And then she got upset when she wouldn't give her a discount because the pants didn't have a drawstring in it, <laughs> and they got in a yelling match. But it didn't get nearly as aggressive <laughs> as this Karen did. And I just want to know what on earth was so important yeah. that you were buying at the store? You're not buying groceries to feed your family here, okay? Mm-hmm. You're you're not buying, uh, you know, like water to <laughs> keep yourself alive. Mm-hmm. You're buying some clothes, trying to use an expired coupon. What on earth was so special about those clothes that you're ready to fight a woman over it? Look at this, and with the Puma, she's got the outfit on everything. And it would be funny, it would be entertaining as the circus comes to town. If not for, let's throw the video back up there. That's your your child, isn't that your daughter in the background, ma'am? And it's clear to me as this child is in distress that this is not the first time, okay? That she's seen mommy behave this way. Mommy behaves this way sometimes and she could care less that her little one who depends on her and is supposed to look to her for guidance is in the picture. That's just embarrassing. Just embarrassing your child in front of you, and you know it, it's embarrassing for the child, of course. But you know you're teaching them that this is an okay way to behave when you don't get what you want, and then those behaviors rub off a lot of times on the children. So you're just creating a cycle of bad behavior. And if you don't catch it early, Ray, if you don't catch this early, it turns into a lifelong affliction. It is passed down, and you have it really from cradle to grave. So how about a double dose? (laughs) You want to call the police on them for having a barbecue on a Sunday? I feel great! Back off! I've had trouble. There's an African-American man threatening my life. Karen trying to take items because she can't exchange used clothes. Goodbye. I am not leaving my store, ma'am. I'm telling you, I'm not the one you want to do this with. Leave my store. Come on. Leave my store. Stop trying to steal my stuff. Leave my store. You're too old for this. Just leave my store. You are way too old for this. You're way too old for this. Leave my store. (laughs) So you're not gonna leave unless she calls security. Okay. I mean, okay. Fine. Call security. I'll tell what to do. Leave my store. Leave my store. Wait for it. She hits her. My items. Leave my store. You're too old for this. Leave my store. Leave. Leave. What are you doing? What are you doing? What are you doing? What are you doing? Don't put your hands on her. Leave my sword. Don't put your hands on her. Leave my sword. Where's the security? Yeah. You gotta go. And then she tries to take them again. Leave my sword. Do not come back here. Go. Go. Don't put your hands on her. Do not come back here. Put your hands on her. What the f? The hell? Granny's aggressive. Granny Karen 
is aggressive. And before you feel sorry for her, because there's a lot of people out there who say, oh, well, old woman, she's a senior, come on. Did you have to, can you just, as she walked away the last few frames, her gait, very quick, very spry. I mean, this, this woman, she's healthy, she's active, she's aggressive, she's angry, and she tries to steal things again and again. And again, do you think that the clerk here handled this Granny Karen the right way? I would say so, because she, you know, right at the beginning of the video from the offset, she says, I'm not the one you want to be doing this with. She she tells the grandma, she warns her, like, you shouldn't be messing with me. And just like you said, a lot of people feel sympathy for elderly folks. They tend to, to think, you know, that they are a little less capable. Sometimes they, they start to lose their, their faculties. But a lot of older people take advantage of that sympathy. Mm. And I think that's what's happening here. She's thinking, I'm an old person. They're gonna feel bad for me if I just am persistent in trying to take these things that don't belong to me until they give up and let me have them. And this clerk is standing her ground. She's saying, I'm absolutely not gonna let you do that. Mm -hmm. I'm not gonna, you know, let you invoke those sympathies in me. And I'm not gonna let you steal from the store. Yeah, not even, you know, doing this little, I'm just a little old lady thing, you know. And she tried to call her bluff a couple of times, but she was so aggressive, this Karen, that had she one or two more, you know, minutes stayed in, I would have been okay if security came and tased her. And I think most situations can be <laughs> resolved nonviolently, but she, she might have needed to catch a taser. Yeah, she she was and put her hands on the clerk, and clearly, I mean, they started the video at a certain point, but you know that it had been going on before they started recording. She'd probably been there for minutes before the video started, so mm -hmm. you know, and we don't know how bad it was before, and and clearly, she's trying to take advantage of of the situation and be aggressive with her and try to get her way. So, yeah, genuinely, if security had come and taken her away, I wouldn't have I wouldn't have felt bad for her at all. Yeah, I mean, there it is, and I have a theory because we've been. Obviously, chronicling Karens on this show for some time now, and we've seen an uptick and an increase in their brazenness and their violence. And we had a senior Karen who had a walker earlier this week who was throwing everything at the clerk. No one put a hand on her. I also, though, think those on the receiving end, like you mentioned, this clerk said, I'm not the one. This was not, to me, this was an indication that this was not her first encounter with an angry, aggressive, dogged Karen, yes? Yeah, absolutely, it definitely reads that way. And and she she stood her ground, she wasn't afraid to <laughs> to put Granny Karen in her place. It seems like she's she's got some experience with the Karens and she handled herself very well. Prediction real quick before we go to break, will Granny Karen be back to do it again? Oh, she's probably already been back to do it again. She she <laughs> left that store to go to another store to try it there. I agree, Ravana. I agree. Our uh, special contributor today, our co-host Ravana. This is indisputable with Dr. Rashad Ritchie. I'm Sharon Reed. We're right back. Welcome back to Indisputable with Dr. Rashad Ritchie. I'm Sharon Reed. In for the doc today, Ravana, Rebel HQ contributor, joins us as well as our special co host today. Um, if you've been to Walmart, you've encountered perhaps one of those greeters. They seem sweet. They seem, a lot of times, they're, they're, they're seniors who are there, it seems to just kind of, like I said, greet you. Um, but they can be aggressive, some of them, on the way out, particularly when one is shopping while black. Let's show you what happened um, to one gentleman in particular who was just there minding his own business, doing a little shopping. 
at Walmart, a customer was stopped and accosted by a Walmart employee after purchasing his items. Again, simply shopping while black. The customer, who did not wish to be publicly identified, said it all began when the worker asked to check his receipt before he left the store the day before Thanksgiving. I'm sure Walmart was packed the day before Thanksgiving. As he tried to get the receipt, he claims the worker tried blocking him saying, quote, you people always try to steal. Now you see that there? Let's put up the screenshot of the encounter caught on tape. The customer seems bewildered. I mean, he was getting the receipt. Why? I don't know. He's not legally obligated to. Walmart worker began to remove items from the customer's cart. I was like, what are you doing? I chased him down, said, give me my item. And I took the item back from him. And then he went to my cart and took <laughs> the other items out of my cart. The customer told Eyewitness News. So basically, we're fighting over the items. And then I said, just give me a manager, give me a manager, he told KABC TV. Just a portion of the encounter was captured on cell phone video published by the local station. Shows the employee rubbing the skin on his arm, seemingly saying the word color as he faces off with the shopper in front of an ice machine. That from Atlanta Black Star. The report says the worker yelled the N word at the customer repeatedly, which was censored in the video. The bystander who is recording says the customer told the employee, don't call me a inaudible, you fill in the gap. Customer later filed an incident complaint with Walmart. A Walmart spokesperson told the LA Times, the Walmart worker is no longer employed at their store. Walmart says it instilled the receipt checking policy to curtail shoplifting, keep merchandise prices low. However, customers, this is the part that I want you to know this folks, you understand? Customers are not legally bound to stop to show their receipts. That's from legal experts. Yet store employees can demand to see the receipt or detain someone if they suspect them of theft. Some legal experts say refusing to show a receipt could be cause for suspicion. Now I'm not a lawyer, Ray, but wouldn't you need wouldn't you need more suspicion than just that? I mean, leaving Walmart, you pay for your items. No one's seen you put anything in your pocket. Is shopping while black and not showing your receipt enough? Well, it just depends on where you are. And I think a lot of, you know, if someone decides to prosecute and go further with it, yeah, they'll probably say it was enough because, you know, they're not exactly in favor of, you know, mm. trying to understand the side of the person who just didn't want to have to shill out the receipt. And have to you know go through that trouble, but I will say um, I grew up in a low-income, predominantly not white neighborhood. I still live in one. Every Walmart I've had in my neighborhoods has had someone checking receipts. I can usually go right out the door without anyone ever wow. asking me my for my Thank receipt. Thank you, Ally. Yeah. Thank you. But I will say when I uh, when I would go to a Walmart in a richer, more affluent neighborhood, they don't do that. What's the difference? It's income and it's the demographics of the people who are shopping there. And it really is, I mean, what he said in that video is exactly the same reason why they implement those policies is because they think these low income and black shoppers are gonna be the ones stealing. So I'm glad they fired him. I mean, that's the bare minimum they could do. But I mean, instilling the policy in the first place mm -hmm. is based on that racist assumption. And the, I mean, it's just BS them saying that it's to keep prices down. People could steal 
Every person could go to Walmart right now and steal something and it still wouldn't affect their bottom line. They would still not have to raise their prices. So it's just an excuse. Wow, so so it's disheartening, but I will tell you as a black woman, I have had the same experience, but not as much I'm sure as you. I went to a Walmart in Amish country. I grew up in Pennsylvania, was in Amish country, it is what it, I went to Walmart. They didn't even have those people checking receipts. But every time I went to one in inner city Cleveland, Atlanta, bam. And if I find it offensive, I really do. It's like presuming I'm a criminal when I haven't done anything. I haven't stolen anything since I was about 13 years old and I stole gum from Wawa, okay? There, I did. I also stole cheese from Kmart, but that's the <laughs> They're point gonna come is, get you now. I'm an adult, exactly, <laughs> and they would be the ones to do it. I'm an adult, okay? I have a daughter who just turned 11 and I don't, I really don't appreciate it. I really don't, so I wish someone would test this, but perhaps it would have to be well, it couldn't be a gentleman like that because things could have gone another way. Yeah, I mean, I'm glad that it didn't, you know, escalate to the point of, you know, physical harm. But I mean, the emotional harm that's done and the 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 mental harm that's done on the individual, because, you know, he the man said the quiet part out loud. He saw a black person and assumed he was a criminal. Assumed he was in criminal engaging in criminal behavior. Never saw the receipt. Had no idea, you know, what he purchased. Had no reason to believe he was stealing, and still treated him like a criminal. And I mean, I think that's pretty, you know, emblematic for the way American society treats black people. Yeah, I mean, we there it is. You know, Walmart had no choice. Love the rock. Watch this. I have been waiting decades to do what I'm getting ready to do now. Hey, where's your Snickers? When I was 14 years old, every day I used to stop here at this 7-Eleven and steal a king size Snicker bar because I couldn't afford to buy one. That was my pre-workout food. I did that for almost a year every day. I had to come back and buy every Snickers bar on those shelves. What's your name? BK. Ring all these up. BK is my <laughs> nice to steal a Snickers every day. Thanks for doing that. I gotta come back and I have to buy them. You know what I mean? Because look, look, listen. I'm trying to count. I don't need to hear your stories. Go tell Oprah. What are you at? You're welcome. Here you go, big brother. Come on. You want anything? You got anything? That's just for you. Thank you so much. I appreciate you. I'm going to leave these here. If somebody looks like they're stealing Snickers, give them these so they don't steal it. Thank you. After decades. I have a hi. Come on over here. Let's take a picture. I gotta go. The rocket's here. After decades of me wanting to come back home to 7 Eleven and try and make good, that felt really, really good. I'm out. Snickers and 7 Eleven. I mean, what's not to love? What's not to love about him? He has this unique ability to be like this superhero in real life, but yet authentic, real. You know, he's wildly rich, but now, you know, he's. He makes us remember where he came from. I just love him, Jeff.
Yeah, and you know what? Let me talk about where I came from. I was raised in a project called Agla Green in Columbus, Ohio. And around the corner from that project was a store called Josh's. And I would go into Josh's and for a limited time, they would have Christmas tree <laughs> cakes and I would slip one or two in my wow. pockets. And I'm inspired by this, Sharon. I feel like I should take a, these are, look, these are for me and the kids, okay? But I should take a bunch of these to a food pantry and give back, pay it forward yeah. for what I did in the past. I'm inspired now. How many do you think he stole over the years? Oh, look, I don't, I mean, the statute of limitations, I don't really know what those are right $30, now. $100, $100 worth? Uh, when I was a kid, they were 25 to 50 cents. So we'll, we'll probably go $15 easy, easy. Make sure yeah. you record it and up, upload to social media when you make make amends for that. I'm just saying about 15 with interest, about probably about 35, oh, $40 now. Inflation. Yeah. And go make the good. Thing. What's the name of the store? Josh's? Is it still around? Well, Josh, so Josh's, yeah, it's no longer there. So this mm. will have to go to a food pantry or something like that. Okay. Well, we'll look for that video to be. Terrell Owens um, hasn't been on a football field in years, but he's in impeccable shape and don't try him. He was at a CVS Saturday night around 1130 getting some essentials. He said he was approached by a 49ers fan. They had some nice banter back and forth and then a heckler agitator got involved and we'll show you the video tell you more about it. Man down. Okay, that was Tito was not the aggressor here, but he did handle it once it was brought to him. Here's more um, witnesses say that this is from TMZ. Uh, the man, the agitator, started talking mess to Tito. Um, threatened to beat up the men outside. At some point, it did move outside, as you saw there. Uh, the group eventually uh, got into it. Tito, reportedly the peacemaker here. Um, and was trying to do the right thing. Unfortunately, the heckler who allegedly started the confrontation just minutes earlier inside the store took an unprovoked swing at Owens, a clear mistake, and the fight was on. Uh, the man returns to his feet a few moments later. Um, we can play the video one more time. David, let you comment on this. When we last saw T.O., he was, he was handling a Karen and was proven right on that one too. Yeah, I, I'm I'm sort of with Tio on this one, and I just sort of wonder the guy who was the agitator here has some sort of um, mental health issues because look at the size difference between Tio and this guy. This guy is much smaller. For him to think that he could actually knock out Tio or win a fight with Tio, never mind the people inside the store, that's crazy. You're talking about a professional athlete who is ripped. Uh, so the agitator's got some mental health issues, uh, regardless of what was going on here. I'm not sure the knuckle sandwich from Tio is necessarily going to help solve them, but maybe it gives that sends that guy to the hospital. Maybe he gets some. 
some um, psychiatric evaluation in addition to whatever help he needs for the medical issues he's now facing. Yeah, he's got some medical issues. I hope he does have good insurance there. And generally, Tio's in fantastic shape, David. But that doesn't always mean that that you can fight. You know, there's it doesn't necessarily translate. We've seen guys, you know, in the NBA kind of like slapping each other when they get heated. But but there you have it, Tio. I bet you he'll get a contract, celebrity boxing contract. <laughs> Will Smith had to go away, and he had to um, attempt to make amends. Some people argued about too slow, not. Not enough, should have done an interview with Oprah, what have you. He also though went back to work. And the movie's called Emancipation. And you know, I know somebody who worked on the film, and I've heard this is perhaps his greatest work. And it's a shame it could be overshadowed by this, but he's talking. He's making the rounds now. He's talking about his love for this story. And he's also hearing from people and reacting to people who say, you know what? I'm not ready to see you yet go back underground. And here's what the Oscar winner has to say. He spoke to Trevor Noah Will Smith did on The Daily Show, where he asked the audience for understanding for his assault on Chris Rock at the 2022 Oscars, which Smith called a horrific night. Will Packer didn't appreciate it either, okay, the Oscar producer who did nothing but a great job. When asked about audiences not wanting to watch his work, here's the quote. Will Smith, I completely understand that if someone is not ready, I would absolutely respect that and allow them their space to not be ready. Smith continued, there's many nuances and complexities to it, you know, but at the end of the day, I just, I lost it. I guess I would say, you just never know what somebody's going through. Smith was promoting his upcoming film, film Emancipation, which is loosely based on the life of an enslaved man named Gordon. The man in this famous photograph, nicknamed Whipped Peter. Smith said about the project, I'm hoping that the material, the power of the film, the timeliness of the story, I'm hoping that the good that can be done will open people's hearts at a minimum to see and recognize and support the incredible artists in and around this film. The film tells Gordon's story of when he eluded slave catchers to join the Union Army. Smith says he hopes the importance of the film is not diminished by the Oscar incident. Smith also said it may be his best film yet. The people on this team have done some of the best work of their entire careers. And my deepest hope is that my actions don't penalize my team. Smith reportedly paid 35 million. He was for emancipation that according to Variety, it's the highest if true upfront salary paid to any actor in 2022. And so Mayor, like I said, I don't think that Will Smith was ever canceled. Um, if you do the math and you added up all the people who were watching and had an opinion, right? Because everybody had an opinion. And I think there are more people who said, not good, but we're not canceling you for this one really bad incident. But I want to know what you think about his explanation, because in some ways he can't win after that incident. What do you make of his explanation that, quote, you never know what someone is going through? Presumably he's talking about himself. He's definitely talking about himself. This is a selfish response. Uh, there's no there's no consideration to um, Chris Rock, what Chris Rock is going through. And also, um, like you said, this was the first time we had a black director of, of, of the uh, of Oscar. So I, I, here's, here's what I would say. I am a black man who loved black men. I am. I, I started Black Male Voter Project as a love letter to black men and our in the world, the country, 
making us invisible in the political space. Will Smith smacking Chris Rock and the world allowing him to bounce back so fast is a continuation of America's long or big appetite for black men suffering. This, uh, the, the fact that this movie name is Emancipation is perfect and spot on because to, eman- to be emancipated is to be free of process from, lab- from, from basically from political or social uh, restrictions. There's no restrictions on Will Smith's career when he can come back and make $35 million in the same year or right after this happens. Here's what I would say. We all know it's well documented, not after Chris Rock made his joke, before Chris Rock made his joke, that he has a social disorder that does not allow him to read people's emotion like most of us on their face. Will Smith is friends with Chris Rock, which means he would be aware of this. Or he was friends with them, they have a long a long relationship. To get up there and smack that man in his face on national TV is absolutely disgusting. We should also mention Chris Rock's age and height and weight. And we know had that been Dave Chappelle or, or, or Earthquake, Will Smith would have sat in that chair and laughed like everybody else. Mm-hmm. Uh, it is absolutely disgusting behavior to watch, uh, to watch a black man smack another black man at this moment, at, at that moment, uh, a show being hosted by a black man that had never been hosted. I'm sorry, not hosted by a black man, but produced or directed by a black man is absolutely disgusting. I am not okay with Will Smith uh, being paid $35 million for this money. I'm not okay with him pretending that what he did was not uh, bullying. I'm not okay with him. He had no remorse. The remorse came when he saw the blowback and he saw what the world was doing. Because if you were remorseful, you would have left when security tried to make you leave. Mm-hmm. When security tried to make Will Smith leave that stadium that night, he said he he refused to leave and they let him sit and accept that award. That is absolutely disgusting. You felt nothing for Chris Rock. You put him in a position that he should never be in. And I, yeah. I, I am disgusted by it. I think you're exactly right. He bullied Chris Rock and he meant to humiliate him to proportions we've never seen. We've never seen anyone behave like that on the biggest stage in the world and be the victim of that and not fight back and not even know how to react. I also applaud Chris Rock for being able to comport himself in that moment, I do. And let's talk about the aftermath of that Oscars moment and that slap. Because I do believe Will Smith's team leaked things like, "Oh, Will Packer said I could stay. And I found it reprehensible. Well, Packer didn't know what to, he had his hands tied like I'm trying to support everyone here, not have a black man ended. I think he knew in the moment exactly how terrible and disgusting this was, but he was trying to rebuild and maybe we could say it's part of the show. Maybe I can, you know, trying to protect black men. And what does Will Smith do after he does all that? He even dimes Will Packer out and says, he said I could stay, don't just blame it on me. He didn't want to take any responsibility here. I too though, Mayor, am, I'm sure this is a great movie. I have a friend who worked on the movie intimately and said, wow, you Sharon, when you see this. And I said, I'm not gonna watch it. And not because I don't wanna know my history. It is exhausting, it is traumatic to be black in America, no matter who you are. Michelle Obama told us that recently, didn't she? No matter who you are, it is exhausting to be us and have to walk down the street and encounter a Karen or a male Karen or anybody else who wants to attack and assault just the essence of who you are. And I am tired of Hollywood showing me black trauma. That's just my opinion, Mayor, just mine. Yeah, I don't think it's just yours. I think it's, you know, it's. 
almost 40 million of us uh, black people in this country. And I bet we, most of us feel that very same way. There's another way to, to explore and show the black experience that continue to show us the same story over and over. I, I think it's also, we should, we should also mention the violence in this, in this, and then people, people forget the epigenetics that's associated with trauma. You don't have to experience trauma to know it. We saw this from a study from John Hopkins about the Jewish descendants of folk from the Holocaust, how their trauma, their DNA, well, not their DNA, but their RNA was forever changed because of the trauma of their ancestors. So if that happened to the Jewish brothers, our Jewish brothers and sisters, imagine what happens to Black Americans because of 400 years mm. of slavery and Jim Crow in this country. I don't need to see that to understand what it means. It is still brutal to be Black in America. I will say this and end it. It is funny in a very dark and sadistic way that this mm -hmm. violence is the last, is this last thing we've seen from Will Smith. Not just this movie violence, the violence that you think you need to get up and hit another human to protect your wife. So people say, oh, he was standing up for a black woman. First of all, the, the, the sexist and misogynistic of thinking and that goes into a statement like that is yes. absolutely disgusting. And it continues this buck idea that this is a mm -hmm. black, he's the buck against this other buck in protection of this black woman who is sitting there fully capable of protecting herself. Mm -hmm. Has a voice, she certainly isn't shy about using it, does whatever she wants to do, okay? Does not face repercussions, their life is their life. We do wanna begin with Brittany Griner. We've got an update on really horrific conditions she is enduring right now in a penal colony in Russia. Here's what we've learned, as I said, horrifying conditions now. The basketball star in that Russian prison, it includes her treatment homophobia, racism, and 16 hour work days. It is just incredible to think about where she is and how long she's been there. According to the nation's Dave, Zirin, prisoners in Mordovia, where Griner was taken earlier this month, are barely treated like human beings. He also explained to TMZ, bigotry is commonplace, medical care nearly non-existent. Inmates expected to sew the uniforms for police and guards. In fact, it's unclear if Brittany Griner, you know, she's six foot eight, will even have a bed that will fit her frame. It is just incredible to think about what she is going through right now. After being detained in 2012, a musician, according to Ziran, she described the country as hell, where beatings and torture are frequent. So how is she doing? Here's what her camp is saying. They've insisted the WNBA stars trying to remain brave in the face of it all, saying in a statement following her move to Mordovia earlier this month that Brittany is doing as well as could be expected, despite the fact she is alone and now nearing her ninth month in detention, separated from her loved ones. Her reps go on to say she is trying to stay strong. Briner has been detained in Russia since February after she was accused of bringing hashish oil in her luggage to Moscow. In August, she was sentenced to nine years in prison and appeal of that sentence was denied last month. Yesterday, White House National Security Spokesperson John Kirby noted negotiations with Russia to free and imprison Americans Brittany Griner and Paul Whelan are still underway. And the administration is going to stay committed, he says, to that effort. Mayor, it's extraordinary to think about how long Brittany Griner has been We'll call it captivity. 
These were trumped up charges, many believe, and she's being held illegally. But that's not going to stop the Putin regime, um, as I'll call him. What say you about how we keep the faith and what efforts should be done to bring her home? Yeah, I think it's important that we start the show off with uh, talking about Britney as often as possible, not just this show. Um, mm-hmm. We need to go all the time on networks that are progressive like TYT because we see mainstream media and we know they're so comfortable forgetting about black lives at home. So imagine what happens when you're off in a foreign land as a political prisoner like Britney is. So I think it's important that we do that and we name that first. Also, it is it is absolutely horrendous. I remember seeing a picture early on when she was locked up of her body hanging off of the bed they had her in. It was so small. So we we already know that the the conditions are going to be insufferable for for Brittany. I I do applaud the uh, the White House and and administration for continuing to try to fight. We did hear from Rude uh, that. Uh, that we actually have a real serious uh, proposal, another proposal with alternatives to bring Britney home. This was said yesterday or so, I think. And um, we're just waiting for the, the Federation, the Russian Federation to take this uh, a serious. But I think Putin understand where he is in the world right now. His standing is low, at, lower than it has been in the past because of his attack and his war on Ukraine. And he's using Britney's life away from her family in captivity as a political prison to be uh, as a, a negotiating chip, as a pawn on a chessboard, unfortunate. And I think we as as, as people of color, black people, progressive and, and people who love humans must yeah. continue to sound the alarm about this. Yeah, I, I often think though as a person of color and, and knowing what Putin knows about treatment of black people in America, of minorities in America, if he values her enough, and if he believes America values her enough to feel like he needs to do anything right here. Yeah, I, 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 you know, we, we, you and I both know we're too smart to bet, bet on anything about Putin doing something right. Uh, Putin will do what he think is advantageous for himself and his continued power in Russia and the Federation. But what we do know though is uh, he, he's running out of options as it pertains to being taken serious on the world stage as he continues to commit uh, human rights violations in Ukraine. And I think that we'll come to a point where he has to uh, turn over Britney. And this, at least when you ask, how do we keep the faith? This is where I'm keeping my faith that he's running out of options to be taken. Yeah. So Britney may be an option that, that will get her, that may be a way for her to get home. Yeah, um, administration, that's one thing. But do you think the players, you know, we heard LeBron, others speaking out uh, quite a bit when she was first um, arrested, uh, kept in. Side a jail awaiting trial. Uh, really, only the former basketball star Don Staley, um, who's superstar coach now too. I see every day she's putting it out there on her social media. But that's one person. I'm sure I'm missing others. Are players doing enough? Um, other star athletes, other notable celebrities doing enough? Or nine months later, have many you know kind of put her in the back of their minds? Yeah, and I think that's the problem with our 24-hour news cycle. When we spend so much time entertaining and educating, this is why TYT is so important because we spend so much time on this channel telling people what's important. And Brittany Griner's life should not be put on the back burner. I think you know athletes were athlete. You know what I'm saying? And uh, while that's not funny, it is absolutely true. We, I mean, we're thinking about if you consider the, the NBA uh, a couple of years ago, nearly 70 plus percent of them weren't even registered to vote. 
So expecting them to keep a sustained movement around Brittany Griner, maybe Griner might be a bit too much to ask. But what I will say, it is people like like yourself, Sister Reed, myself, and others to make sure that we don't forget this sister and let folk know that she is extremely vulnerable, not just because of her six foot eight stature, not just because she's a black woman, but because she's a black woman, but also because she's homophobic and also because Putin, I mean, because she's LGBTQI, but also because Putin is a terrorist and he will do anything to use her as a chip. Yeah, it really is something that's gotta be kept on the front page, as we say in this industry. Um, you talk about the emotional toll, Nia Long is speaking up, um, talking about that, that scandalous affair, her fiance, the then Celtics coach. And an employee had, and she's talking really not about him and the harm that was done by him, but what about the team who claimed they needed to speak up to protect women, but they didn't protect her or her mental health or her family or her child. Here's what Nia Long is saying today, finally, about the affair involving her ex fiance and how it affected her personally and professionally. The actress's fiance, Boston Celtics coach, Aimee Idoka. Exposed for having a secret affair with the team's service manager, Kathleen Nemo Lynch, in September. Remember, the team didn't name her, other people did. Lynch is a 34 year old married mother of three, devout Mormon. She also allegedly organized all of Udoka's travel arrangements, including trips when Nia Long would travel on the road and to Boston for games. Long and Udoka dating in 2009, engaged by 2015. For the affair, the disgraced coach received a year long suspension for this NBA season. When Long found out about the situation, she ended up walking off set for the first time in her 36 year career. She's had a, just an extraordinary career at, at the highest level. It broke my heart to have to do it because that's not who I am. But I knew that I needed to do it because I didn't feel good in my belly. It felt like not only was I supported by my fellow castmate, who was black and who had a clear understanding of what I felt strongly about. But there was also this sense that the business I have to deal with at home is more important to me than teaching a white director producer how to tell a black story. Wow, long calling out the Celtics for their revealing of a private matter. I think the most heartbreaking thing about all of this was seeing my son's face. When the Boston Celtics organization decided to make a very private situation public, says Long, who took her son out of school when the news broke. It was devastating and it still is. He still has moments where it's not easy for him. If you're in the business of protecting women, I'm sorry. No one from the Celtics organization even called to see if I'm okay. To see if my children are okay, it's very disappointing. Nia Long telling the Hollywood Reporter. Since the breakup, Long has relocated from Boston to Los Angeles where she shares a home with her eldest son. Now, a lot of people were so captivated, Ray, by the scandal and the way the Celtics handled. You remember what they did, they said they just had to come out. And they said certain things, they were cryptic about other things. But I still don't know 
We know more about what he did, and let's be clear here. Okay, there, he's not a hero here. He's someone who um, has some issues that needs to be dealt with. The predatory, perhaps um, bad judgment, got it. But isn't Neil Long right? Why did the Celtics go about it this way? They don't exactly have the best past, storied past when it comes to black people, the organization. Some, eh, Bill Russell, but. In the way they dealt with this, Boston, I guess, um, the city at large. Yeah, it feels like they had more of an interest in protecting the woman who he had the affair with than they did protecting the woman who was really the victim of the situation, which is Nia Long. And the fact that they never reached out to her, like she said, I mean, I think that's just more evidence to that fact. But I, you know, I don't really understand a reason why it was important to go public with this in a way that even like you said, it was cryptic, but it was cryptic in a way where you could gather the facts. And that's, you know, how she felt the effects of it and how, you know, her son felt the effects of it. Um, and I think that these these stories, you know, oftentimes will say that cheaters, you know, are embarrassing their wives, they're embarrassing their girls. And it is embarrassing because we uh, as a society focus more on, uh, you know, how mm. are they gonna react to being cheated right. on than the fact that the cheating happened in the first place. Yeah, wow, I think you're so right. Because at the end of the day, um, you can't just retrain society at large. but. I don't hear any allegations that Nia Long cheated on her fiance, okay? Or had someone she was cheating with arranging his travel or inside their bubble. So that's on him. Um, the Celtics and the way they handled this, again, in protecting the woman, you know, their, their play is that this was a power issue. Here's a celebrity coach. I don't know what the hierarchy is or what department, but do you buy that? I think that it can be really easy to, you know, feel that dynamic when you are underneath somebody. Maybe that's the wrong oh, wow. term of phrase used right now. <laughs> but goodness, you know, Ray. as far as the hierarchy goes, when you are yeah. below someone on the um, in in that workplace hierarchy, it can be really easy to, you know, feel pressured by them. So that that is one thing. Um, it doesn't really, to me, change the fact that like protecting the person who is, you know. Uh, Essentially, protecting the cheater more so than protecting the spouse who's been cheated on is really what happened in this case. But I mean, it's very possible that there was a power dynamic at play. And but if you're going to protect women, protect all women, and that includes the you know the spouse in this case. And they didn't. Do you think race has anything to do with it? Because in talking, and I was a sports journalist for years. I've been on an NBA sideline, well, not a sideline, but an NFL sideline as well. And it dawned on me that there's so much that goes on behind the scenes, okay? Players sleeping with personnel, and I'm not excusing any of it, okay? Married people getting it on. Um, it just seemed like when I first heard this, and I'm ashamed to even admit it, it's like, what's the headline here? Because this, this is what happens all the time, okay, in these around the league. Um, do you think race played a part in the way they handled it? I think it absolutely did, and you can sort of see that reflected in the way that it was discussed by media outlets. They would always highlight that the woman who he cheated on Neil Long with was younger, that she was a Mormon, a devout Mormon, which no, she's not. Oh, <laughs> I don't think yeah, that, I don't think that getting in affairs yeah. with married people is a tenet of Mormonism, but you know, and they would try to like. 
play to that fact when they did discuss her after her identity was revealed that you know that this is a, a younger woman who was manipulated by uh, by this man and but, but nothing to the fact that you know he destroyed this relationship this this decade over decade long relationship uh, who he a woman he has a child with and destroyed his family that was never highlighted it was always this innocent woman who is manipulated by her boss and sort of you know helpless in the situation which I don't know all of the facts so I mean that could be the case but the way that they wrote about her versus the way they did or didn't write about Nia Long I think it, it does sort of show the racial dynamics there. Yeah, when I first, my friend first sent me a blurb on this, and I wrote something snarky back, like, you know, Nia Long should stop talking about it. She has for her privacy. And then I thought better of it. I was just being snarky and I was hungry. I'm gonna be honest with you, I was <laughs> hungry. Because the truth is, the black woman is disregarded, disrespected, and afterthought, if that, and is expected to be strong, hold it down, and she'll be all right. But like you said, the sweet, fair-skinned Mormon who needs protection. This was so egregious that he's got to take a, a long seat for a year. This just cannot, we've got to protect really the community. It felt like the Celtics were saying, we gotta protect the community from this predator. I'll give you the last word. Um, yeah, I'll just say that it really plays this idea of the, the black superwoman, which we talked about the infidelity going on at G, uh, Good Morning America 3. He referred to his wife that he cheated on as the black superwoman. And it's this pressure, this expectation that black women have to shoulder all of these burdens and continue to, to put on a, a happy face in public and, and take it all in stride. It's just unfair. It's, it's just unfair. It's a whole lot, uh, you know. Navigating blackness in America, navigating being a black parent in America. We do know one person who's had some some great success. Make that times four. That'll be our next story when we come right back. Indisputable returns right after this. Welcome back to Indisputable. I'm Sharon Reed, and for Dr. Rashad Ritchie and Rebel HQ Extraordinaire Ravana is our co-host today, offering some great commentary. We're gonna get to a feel-good story in a moment called Quadruplets, who are just—I mean—they're balling out, and I mean academically. But first, we got to give you a warning. The New York Mayor is doing something that I think is very dangerous. He has a plan. I don't know how well thought out it is. Here's what Mayor. Eric Adams is doing when it comes to, well, the homeless and the mentally ill. The New York mayor is facing criticism for a controversial program. It allows local police and emergency medical workers to involuntarily hospitalize citizens who appear to be mentally ill. Appear. This has predominantly impacted the homeless community. The directive, which Adams announced on Tuesday, also allows authorities to remove anyone who displays an inability to meet basic living needs, including untreated injuries, unawareness of their surroundings and their physical condition. Even if officials have not observed they, them rather commit a recent dangerous act. Officers can take them into custody, send them to local hospitals for a psychiatric evaluation. That according to a statement from Adam's office. The mayor's plan comes at the end of the year in which random attacks in the subways and streets, many of them attributed to homeless people with mental illness, have put many New Yorkers on edge. Mr. Adams and Governor Kathy Hockel have both rolled out numerous programs to address the issue, including adding outreach teams and 
clearing encampments to try to convince people to move to shelters. The governor has agreed to add 50 more beds to psychiatric wards in the city. New York City currently has at least 3,400 people living on the streets and subways. As of Monday, more than 64,000 people are living in New York City shelters. Critics argue that this new directive could potentially be a violation of individual civil liberties and using police as auxiliary social workers could be incredibly harmful to those involved. The Brooklyn Center for Independence of the Disabled and Advocacy Group said involuntary hospitalization constituted discrimination under the Americans with Disabilities Act. That from Andy Newman and Emma G. Fitzsimmons from the New York Times. Just because someone smells, because they haven't had a shower for weeks, because they're mumbling, because their clothes are disheveled, that doesn't mean they're danger to themselves or others, said Norman Siegel, the former head of the New York Civil Liberties Union and co-founder of a volunteer outreach program, the Street Homeless Advocacy Project. And they're going to have the cops of all people make those decisions. Jermaine Williams, the city's public advocate and some other Democratic elected officials have raised concerns about police officers evaluating people on the streets and the lack of details on what care people will receive once they are removed. That's a major red flag right there, Mr. Williams said. Mr. Williams said that while he was glad that Mr. Adams was committed to helping people with severe mental illness, he worried that black men would be disproportionately affected by the new policy and that people would be turned away from overburdened hospitals. He said that the city should focus on funding less intrusive programs like homeless drop-in centers where people can get a hot meal and a shower and mental health urgent care centers. This disturbs me on so many levels, Ray, and I'm wondering what your thoughts are. What concerns you the most here? Yeah, I work for a center for independent living here in Chicago. So we do disability rights advocacy. I represent disabled people in civil rights cases. So I think primarily the most concerning thing here is the violation of the civil liberties of these individuals. And even if someone is swept up in this program who isn't disabled, the ADA covers individuals who are regarded as having a disability. So they would be covered under this act. So not just all of the people who do have mental illnesses who are being swept up by the police, but the people who are swept up by the police simply because they are perceived as having a disability. I think that the solution to this issue is to give houses to these homeless individuals, provide outlets for which they can get psychiatric care. But part of my my work is to prevent people from being forced into these congregate living facilities, from being relegated into these hospitals, which often don't have the resources or ability to meet the needs of every individualized patient, especially if you're overflowing them with individuals who also don't have probably don't have health insurance. Mm-hmm. So even if you get them diagnoses, it doesn't help them moving forward if they don't have a place, a doctor they can regularly meet with or a safe place to live at the end of the day. Yeah. It's really just a program that's being put in place to to help people not have to see homelessness so that they feel less cycle. uncomfortable. Yeah, and it's, yeah. it's really disgusting and I'm glad you're raising the alarm on this because it's so concerning. Yeah, it is and it's something we're gonna have to continue to watch it including how police are gonna Round people up and and put them, I guess, on a, on a psychiatric hold is what they really could do, and they're not able to escape that. Um, let's move on because let's give some some people some uh, good news to end. 
the week on quads. Look at this t-shirt, says it all, gives it away. Because these quadruplets, Nigel, Zachary, Nick, and Aaron Wade, they've all now graduated from Yale University. Look at these brothers, okay? They're gonna do a lot of good in the world. They're gonna start their professional careers. They've already embarked on them. Back in 2017, the now 23 year old quadruplets were all accepted into 59. 59 top universities, including Ivy Leagues like Harvard, Stanford, Yale. They chose Yale because they got a generous financial aid package offered to them. Just a lovely shot of them, Atlanta Black Star gave us that. Well, at Yale, the boys who were born four minutes apart were dubbed the Quad Squad. This is a movie. Here's what they're up to now. For me, I majored in molecular, cellular, and developmental biology, said Nigel Wade, who resides in New Haven, Connecticut, working as a researcher of Parkinson's disease at Yale. He plans to continue his education by attending medical school. I majored in chemical engineering and economics, said Zachary Wade, who now works as an investment banker for Goldman Sachs in San Francisco. Currently, I'm an investment analyst at the Mellon Foundation, said Nick Wade, who graduated with a degree in political science and is currently living in Brooklyn. My job title is creative technologist, said Aaron Wade, who graduated with degrees in computer science and psychology and now works for Google in New York. The boys explained that education was paramount in their family, you think? They grew up in Cincinnati, Ohio to a mother, Kim Wade, who worked as a school principal and father, Darren Wade, who was a software engineer. The Wade brothers say they understood the impact their story has made on communities across the country, especially Within the black community, they say they hope their story can help inspire others to work hard and succeed. And they stress the importance of having a strong support group to help achieve your goals. And it's that last part for me, Ray, a support group. They had each other from the womb till now. I think it's just tremendous that they all went to the same university and had each other to push and help and comfort. And to get accepted into 59 of the top schools, including Ivy Leagues, is just such an accomplishment. They should be so proud of themselves, of each other. Yeah. I know their family's proud of them. It's it's just really it just makes you feel good, and it's great to wrap up, uh, you know, a heavier you know news yeah. day with such a good story. Yeah, it is. We wish the brothers um, the best, and I mean it. This should be a Hollywood movie. I'm tired of seeing black trauma. Do the Wade brothers, okay? <laughs> Tell people where they can find you. Yeah, so until Twitter crashes and burns, you can follow me on Twitter at Ravana TTV. You can also see my show reactions every Thursday at 5 p.m. Eastern time here on TYT's Twitch channel. And you can see my videos for Rebel HQ on YouTube and on Facebook. Thanks so much for having me on. It was yeah. such a good, such good fun today. Yeah, we love you and I love the commentary. I'm Sharon Reed in for the esteemed Dr. Rashad Ritchie, who earned a little bit of time off. He's always going, going, going. We love you, Doc. We appreciate you. This is indisputable. Have yourself a great weekend. Welcome to Indisputable, I'm your host, Dr. Rashad Richard. We got a lot happening today, but what do we do on this show? We tell the truth, you know why we tell the truth? Because the truth is simply indisputable. Rashad, great to be here, congratulations on the new show. And I gotta let everybody know that Rashad and I go way back. People still need healthcare, so I won't stop. People still need criminal justice systems reform throughout this country, so I won't stop, and you won't stop either.